Thanks for downloading our podcast. You can check out more of our episodes at facebook.com slash this house of cards podcast or on iTunes. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to This House of Cards podcast, an unofficial podcast about the FX hit show, or sorry, Netflix hit show, House of Cards. I am your host, <laughs> Tyler Moss, here with... Co-host, Chris Husted. What's up, party people? Hey, everybody. We apologize for the bit of a break we took. Both Chris and I were out on work trips for a couple weeks, so we had to have some downtime, but in response, we're going to try to pump out two episodes on episodes uh, chapter six and seven of This House of Cards as quickly as possible. So um, we hope that we can uh, make it back up to you guys, basically. But anyway, um, Chris, what are you drinking this evening before we get break into episode one? Or our first episode? Sure, I have a, um, a, a Corona Light with a little lime in it. What do you have? That's- that sounds nice. You're greeting spring a little bit. I have a wild blue blueberry lager. It is eight percent alcohol by volume, so we're doing pretty hey. well for. It is Easter Sunday, so you know, got to celebrate with a little sweetness by being drunk. <laughs> yeah, you Excellent. will be drunk by the end of this episode. Absolutely, this podcast. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> and with that, let us. Um, well, as always, I just want to say. That you can send us questions or comments at this house of cards podcast at gmail.com. You can like us on Facebook at this house of cards podcast. And please critique us, rate us, give, leave us comments on iTunes. Once again, this house of cards podcast. Um, okay, so this has a card, or we're talking about house of cards chapter six here. And this is, of course, opening with the teacher's strike. This is a month, supposed to occur about a month after we had the episode. Where Claire and Frank kind of had the gala out in front of the hotel, and then the, right. she basically shut down that mob out there. So they had an even bigger mm-hmm. teacher strike with actual teachers this time. Right. And, I mean, initial... Do you have any initial... <coughs> anything initial to say about this episode? I think this is kind of the first time that I'm pretty sure we legitimately saw Frank get a little bit rattled. Thoughts? Oh, definitely. We finally... I mean, that's one of our concerns we've had with uh, him so far. Like, he's had a few bumps in the road, but nothing that severely could damage or damage his uh, his um, his plan, you know? Right. And though he comes out of it okay, we've always seen him be kind of such a smooth operator and always be, like, one step ahead of everybody else. And right. for once, you know, you think in that... And I mean, we'll get to this. But, like, you think he's going to be smooth the whole way through, and for once, he, he stumbles. And that's... It's right. an interesting moment, and we'll focus on that as we go through. But anyway, right. I think that's an important thing to note. And I have some questions about this whole Claire-Steve thing we have going on with the bodyguard and stuff like that, but excited mm-hmm. to talk about it. So let's open. Um... Obviously, we have a meeting between Linda and Frank, and they're talking about approval ratings nosedive for the president and for this education bill because of right. the, the strike that's been going on for a month. the longest teacher strike in history. Right. Uh, clearly not good. Um, like we said, Frank's finally not having things his way. Um, even though he was able to break Spinella back then, he hasn't been able to do anything yet about the strike. Linda right. and the president want the bill to be revised to get, you know, um, fix the collective bargaining stuff. But he is not quite ready to do that. He kind of says it's, you know, for me, it's either victory or exile. There's no middle ground. I'm going to either be a winner or I'm going to die trying, you know, um, which I think is very much kind of his attitude toward life. He, he doesn't live in the middle. It's got to be he's all black in. or white. He's all in on every, I mean, he's a big risk taker. He's, it's a house mm-hmm. of cards, you know, it's. It, it, yeah. It's a very he also, precarious. He he truly believes that he will get it done. You know, even when he's f- somewhat faltering, he will still, as he as we see him go up against the president, he believes in himself so much that he knows he'll get it done. Exactly, and I mean, with all the alliances he makes and all the scheming, I mean, he does hedge his bets. So it's not like it's pure um, egoism or Love. something like that. Like or, he's yeah. He, yeah, he's very cunning in that way. Um. But okay, let's talk about it here for a second. Um, we have this scene with the security detail. Our buddy who we had seen back in the episode in, um, is it Marietta, Georgia? Or wherever Frank's originally from. Yes, where, that's right. Where, where he uh, you know, tries to talk Frank out of going into the crowd and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have this scene where Claire invites him in for coffee and is very pushy about it. She is a persuasive woman, yeah. It won't take no for an answer, and it's mm-hmm. so, she's so smooth about it too. Like, 
even though he's like trying to make it seem, you know, this is my job, ma'am. I can't do it. She's, right. it, it just makes it very uncomfortable for him. So he has no choice. Um, they have a weird conversation kind of where he says he's a former Marine. And then he says like, I know what you're wondering. Did I kill anybody? And it was kind of like, I felt yeah. like that was a weird part. It was kind of out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, but what happens? We see a brick get thrown through Frank's window. And, uh, the security, like, Frank runs out, the security guard is off duty, well, not off duty, but he's not in his post, so he runs outside, fires a gun in the, like, that's a little outrageous, I I don't, that's hard to believe that he would do that, but who knows? I wrote a, I wrote a note there. Well, okay, so were his tires slashed? I think he goes over and looks at his car. I felt like I think maybe his tires were slashed because it looked like he was like thinking about getting in the car and then doesn't. Oh, I um, didn't notice that. I did. I thought maybe his that, tires so. were slashed, but then it just yeah, it know. seemed ridiculous that instead of chasing him or something, he would shoot at him from yeah there. That seemed yeah. like a crazy reaction, but I guess that's what they. I mean, that's why they get pissed at him is because it was such a crazy reaction. And so right. we go through in time, and obviously they're super pissed about him shooting the gun in the residential area, and his name is Meacham. Um, and they're going right. to discipline Meacham for that, and he they take his badge. Mm-hmm. And um, this is also and when I, you know they. What were you going to say? I was saying, and Frank said tells the his uh, the Meacham's supervisor, you know, I I get rid of him. I don't want him. Yeah, he's he doesn't help him out at all, and he they kind of him and Claire kind of say, well, where's Steve, their guy who had done it for years mm-hmm. and years. Is he ever coming back? Well, and that's when the police chief, or I think a police chief or something like No, it's not the police chief because we've seen No, it. it's the, the Secret Service people. Right, right. So he says, oh, he actually has pancreatic cancer, um, right. which they didn't know Stage before. four. Right. So he's like on his deathbed, and obviously that plays a huge role in this um, episode going forward. Um, before we go on to kind of the Franken-Spinella stuff that we have going on here... So we see this scene with Zoe and the editor of Slugline. Do we know? I don't know if we know her name. I, well, they mentioned uh, a couple times. I don't remember it. Um, yeah. But they're having this conversation at a club, and the editor's like talking about why in journalism would you want to ever stay anywhere for more than two years? And I just feel like they're just drawing these distinctions between new, like new age and old age, so so significantly. Right. Uh, but I mean, it's true. It's an industry that's evolving so quickly. You don't really. I mean, it's not. It's not typical to stay in one place for that long, especially in online journalism where the news is so fast, and especially in positions like Zoe's where you have this like meteoric rise. And so, right, you kind of wonder. Um, I, I mean, Zoe's kind of rep- supposed to represent this kind of new, new age um, digital front of journalism, but in the meantime, she gets a call from Frank, and Frank plants the word that Spinella is behind the brick through the window, right. Which is, I mean, they have no idea if he is or not, but no one really seems to question it because it would make sense if that brick was thrown by someone, some union person, exactly, teachers union, exactly. And so, who else is going to hate him right then? So they're basically trying to spin Spinella in the media as a villain, (laughs) and they're trying. I like, I like the scene where it's it's transitioning to Frank and Doug, and I I, the transition here. I just want to talk about like cinematically was really cool. Um, because you have Zoe on the phone with Frank, and then you kind of switch back and forth between, like, f- you switch to Frank on the other end. But then it's like, that's our transition to scene, and all of a sudden, he hangs yeah. up, but we're staying with Frank. I thought that was just kind of right. cool how that how That's that smart. Was. I like it, too. That's very that's very smart. So he's there with um, Doug, and they're talking about trying to, you know, paint Spinella as a villain. They're trying to think of some term they want to coin for this thing. And Claire just kind of walks through, and she's like disorganized labor she just like drops it and leaves i love that that was so cool she's a badass and she is she is she i mean she yeah they're they're struggling trying to figure it out and she just walks by and boom drops it and they're like that's it that's exactly what it is and i love this scene too about the whole idea of like trying to take something and come up with like these catchphrase or whatever because i feel like that's so much of what political shit is about these days is like trying to come up like with some buzzword that's going to be like now it'll be like hashtag disorganized labor and everything. You know, you're trying to think of these keywords that are just going to hook people, and every news station is going to start talking about disorganized labor. And Sequestration, so, right? And, and it's and it's that's what happens is we go to these TV clips where all of a sudden all of these different you know politicians on Frank's side are talking about disorganized labor, and they all say the same thing, and all of a sudden 
It's ubiquitous. It's everywhere. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was that's clever of them. It's clever. It's well played, and it's I mean, it's a chess match, you know. Yeah. And Spinella's pretty pissed. Uh, so we see kind of Spinella and his staff pretty pissed about this um, whole brick thing because obviously they don't know any. Like they they reveal that they don't know anything about it really. Or so we kind of learn that you know. We don't really know whether one way or not it was him, or, or like whether it was union members, but we know that he was not aware of it at least. Right, and it, and they kind of talk about it in his meeting. They don't. It doesn't. It, at this point, it doesn't even matter who threw it. It's already attached to their organization, mm-hmm. so exactly. they've got to figure a way out of this. Right, but for some reason, Spinell's like, I don't want to. He's trying to still maintain. He's like doesn't want to stoop to Frank's level or something like that. And I think ultimately that ends up being his demise a little bit. Is like he is not willing to play dirty like Frank is. And yeah. so at this point, he's like, well, let's just leave it a couple days to see if it blows over. Um, I don't want to stoop to his level and go to cheap tricks and accusing each other of things we're not exactly, you know. He tries to remain some level of integrity, and it doesn't fit, you know? Yeah. So, oh, ultimately, it, I mean, I think it's a critical mistake. What do you think? Yeah. I, I mean, it, you're, what you say is, is uh, you know, he... We've seen them go head-to-head before, thinking one step ahead of the other, but now Frank is kind of taking it to a to a darker level, mm-hmm. you know, being a little vindictive. Uh, it's, it's almost, it's malicious in a way. He's attacking him, or connecting him to something that's really negative, uh, even though he has no proof that it was the teacher's union that threw that brick, you know? Exactly. So, by... Sp- is it Spinetta? Spinella. 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 By, like you say, by him not going down that same path, uh, dark path, that uh, Underwood is going down to try to win this, uh, it, 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 he's, he's losing in the, in, in the, long, in the long run of, of this game. Because, I mean, you say you, you could try to go the high road on this, but which he tries to do, but there isn't really a high road with Frank. You know, he is going to win... Because he will, is willing to go further than other people would, other politicians would, or or leaders would. And we're kind of seeing this over and over again. Is like in the world of politics, we have not seen anybody who plays by the rules win. I mean, let's look at um, it wasn't not the Speaker of the House, but um, the Majority Leader. Remember when Frank like pushed him out because he was going to be a sheep and not a wolf? Remember we had we had that whole discussion. That guy didn't. I mean, he was trying to maintain the high road and not scheme with Frank, and he ends up getting fucked over. And exactly. again, we see it. I mean, with Spinella here, and like that just is a recurring pattern of people who aren't going to be you know cutthroat about things. They're going to get run over. Right. If you want to play with Frank, you have to get on his level or get down to his level, I guess, because that's the only way you're going to go. Uh, you're going to be able to, to at least challenge him. Exactly. Um, so, in the meantime, Russo is approaches Frank. And this is the first time we've seen Russo since, I think, it was last episode, the right? That Russo, yeah, he's looking out the window when he's, Frank planted this seed of like wanting to be governor of Pennsylvania in his mind. So, so long as he pledged sobriety. Right. So, Russo hasn't had a drink in a month. That's how we know it's you know a month later. He wants to be governor. That's he's going to seize that opportunity. Frank did end up inspiring something in him, um, and so clearly a fire has been lighted. Although he kind of seems right. to be iffy as things go on. But yeah. um, but step one is they got to fix this job situation uh, at the shipyard. Right. Exactly. And so they they're going to team up with Claire to come up with kind of something about that. Um, um, I want to ask you about this, or maybe you're going into it. I don't want to jump around, but when Claire goes into her office, the homeless guy out front, we see him a few times. We do. We do see the homeless guy out front, and I do. I have that bullet right here, and I was going to say, oh, okay. my first, no, 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 it's okay, actually. Um, I wasn't sure, I, I'm not sure how to tie these together, because the first time I saw him, I was like, she just kind of stares at him, and I wasn't sure what, yes. was, what we were seeing in her eyes. Right. I don't know why. Fi- you're trying to figure out what is she thinking, because God um robin wright is a great actress and it's like it's this kind of like like it, it almost reminded me of frank the way he he sees a problem and you we can we're a part of i mean he can look to the camera and tell us what he's thinking but you see their brain just turning you know working trying to figure out how to deal with some how to deal with the situation so much i think of her role i feel like is the unspoken stuff mm-hmm. um whether it's you know her and 
you know, responding to Frank or like watching Frank or on the phone with Adam, right? That's the photographer. Or right. Right. So, I, I, I mean, maybe we should, I mean, what, what, what did you think she was looking at him for? I, I, at first I was like, I thought it was a kind of a disgust type thing. But then the more, because she looks at him for a little bit, and after about you know a couple seconds, her it's not really a disgust look; it's kind of a you know uh, uh, um, inquisitive look. Yeah, it like, is. I wonder what, what how do what is this situation happening here, and how do I remedy it? And so, do you want to follow this thread and just talk about what happens with the yeah? Let's stick? just yeah. And the reason being, I'm not sure I understand the connection to anything yet. Maybe as we talk it out, we'll get it more. So next what ends up happening is she approaches him again as she's going to their office later on, and she gives him money for food. She right. gives him a 20, I think, or something like that, right? So, yeah, there's a deli down the street. Right. But at the very end of the episode, she comes out, and he gives he throws the money back at her, and it's like been folded into origami. Mm-hmm. In the shape yeah. of like an origami I, I, My first response was, oh, Michael Schofield from Prison Break. I don't know if you ever watched that show. <laughs> I did not watch. He always made little paper cranes. But anyway, I'll tell you what I think. Um, I think she saw him in front of her office, Doesn't did not like that, wanted him to move, so gave him 20 bucks to get down the street and go to get that food. But, you know, just to get him out out of her uh, the, the, the front porch area or the front stoop of her office. And then he came back, obviously, and was like, F you, uh, I don't need your money, I like my spot. And to me, that kind of just showed her idea of throwing money at problems and making them go away. Yeah. Uh, but they don't always go away. Or maybe she's, she needs to learn that lesson still. I think that was that's, that's kind of how I saw it. I think, she does, I think she does learn that point, and I will, we'll talk about that later on. But... um. I think that's a great interpretation of it. And I think that she definitely, it also shows that, like, clearly, you know, she underestimates him and everything. But um, that I, I think it, that you do make a point that she, she, her intentions are superficial, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, As are her husband's. Like exactly. Too, you know, cut from the same cloth. And I and I think that's kind of what she's doing with her own charity too. It's about ambition. I don't and getting money from the like. I don't know how much she actually cares about clean water or anything like that. And I haven't seen really any evidence that she's. That's passionate a really about good it. point. That's a really good point. We have not really seen her like say like, oh, I'm so happy we've you know helped these um, children in Ghana or something like that. You know. Get yeah, she does water. You don't hear her ever talk about that kind of stuff. Even at the gala, that was like a fundraiser for the water initiative. You don't see mm-hmm. them at all talk about actually like what they're going to be doing with the money or what, like what good is going to happen. They don't have a presentation about it. I feel like if I was giving money, I'd want to know what the hell it was going to, but they don't, right. I mean, really, I mean, it seems like Jillian or is, is she cares. She does care, but she's kind of been rubbed a little bit into Claire's world, which is much more about schmoozing and politics and stuff like that. Not so much Absolutely. about the actual passion for the charity. So Absolutely. we'll see if Claire continues to taint her or whatever. But I, yeah, it's interesting. Cause I don't think, we've really seen that passion from, from Claire yet. And I think that is kind of a lesson for her. Like not all problems you can just throw money at, or I mean, you have to be more aware of your opponent or something, I guess. Um, It was an interesting scene for sure. And it reminded me of that scene that, um, do you remember when Frank came out of the office or something like that? And they saw that crazy guy like handcuffed to, Oh yeah. Yeah. And he's like, no one hears you. No one cares. Go home. I exactly. It reminded me of that in the same sense. You don't matter. That's what he says. You don't matter. Exactly. And it reminded me of that in the same, in a way. But at the same time here with this Claire, like, we see this homeless guy kind of, like, asserting himself a little bit. And, you know, it shows that he can, you know, he's not just something that can be steamrolled or something by, you know, people with money right. and different classes and stuff like that. Which is a little yeah. bit maybe threatening to Claire, you know, that, like, it's not these defined hierarchical casts that they can just stomp on everybody else below them. Exactly. Both of them are so into controlling um, other people manipulating situations to get their what, what they need out of it and this is you know a time that she isn't able to do that right and as, of all people you know i don't want to reduce him to this but like a lowly you know peasant yeah yeah exactly um but i think that's what it's i mean i feel like that's what he's supposed to represent though so i, I think that makes i agree yeah. with you um, but so following Claire for a minute, um, mm-hmm. soon after, you know, and she ends up going and visiting Steve, the bodyguard at the hospital and brings him flowers. Um, 
and he's there with his wife. Man, he looks like shit. He looks really bad. I mean, clearly on stage for him. Um, Then she, you know, Claire says, you know, we wouldn't have had the brick thrown through the window if you were the one there protecting us. You were always the best, blah, blah, blah. Um, And he says something about, like, your your husband says that he's church-going, but I've never actually seen him pray. And, like, you you know what I'm talking about? And it was, like, very... So I wrote, yeah. there's, there's something unsettling about that. Like, there's something just unsettling about him in general. Like, I don't know. Maybe it's just me being uncomfortable with people on their deathbed. But, like, for a man on his deathbed, he was very, like, he ended up being very, I mean, maybe, well, but maybe that's what you do on your deathbed is, like, this is your last chance to stay stuff. So you're going to kind of remove your filter a little bit. And so he was very right. forward about something, obviously, about some things. We'll talk about it more later. But what do you think? I mean, yeah, I was think he was, trying... he was being honest, but also you could... To me, that just showed me that he probably didn't like Frank very much. Well, and, he, and he, he also he, knew that he maybe that she later. was feeding him a bullshit line. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's true. That's true. Because she says Frank's Frank Frank should have been there. He should have been there, honestly. If this guy worked for them for that long, like, he should have Oh, yeah. There. Frank should have been there, but, I mean, Frank kind of is kind of a user of people, as we know. And so once they right. are not useful anymore, what's his reason for doing that but um also i think it just again reveals that you know not only is frank superficial but there's someone else who was able to see through his kind of bullshit facade a little bit you know what i mean um someone who frank actually thought was his friend um or or at least not necessarily his friend but thought was on his side or something along those lines trusted in some way or another obviously trusted him with his life to some degree so and in this, I mean, we'll talk more as she visits. Do you want to again just follow later. the storyline, or <laughs> why not? Because I think that I, I, these storylines, I feel like, are not necessarily too connected. So I think we can talk about them Isolated. at one point or another, right? So Claire gets, and let's see, in the next part, she, I think she visits him next when she gets a text from him. Is that right? Oh, that's right. She gets that text that says, "You know, don't call, come see me." Right, well, let's say in the meantime, she had talked to Frank, and Frank was like, well, should I go visit? And she's like, well, no, not really. She tells yeah, him not to visit. that's right. Do you remember that? Um, <clears throat> I don't really... Maybe because she could get a feeling then, when he, after Steve said that, that he he didn't like Frank. And so she didn't think that maybe his presence would be pleasing. So she gets a text from Steve that says, you know, come here right away or whatever. And so she shows up the next day, and basically what ends up happening is oh, two things. He confesses that he hates Frank, and that the reason he he secondly confesses that the whole reason he was worked for them for so long is because he was basically in love with Claire. Mm-hmm. And this scene is incredible to me. This is the most we've gotten to learn about Claire. Like, and, this rela- and her relationship with Frank. Exactly. And so she says to Steve, you know, when I was first being courted, there was plenty of guys that were all over me. In fact, there's multiple guys that proposed to me. Yeah, damn. But when Frank, when I met Frank, this is what he said to me. Claire, if all you want is happiness, say no. I promise you'll never be bored with me, though. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um so she and she's basically saying, you know, I wasn't looking for just a normal life. I was looking for you she know, could have I had, had that twenty times over. Exactly. She was looking for a life of excitement and ambition and power. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And yeah. all the intangibles I mean, was, that Frank is, offers. That, just those few sentences gave us so much background on Claire and Frank's relationship. The one right. thing that is by far one of the most fascinating things about this show: the dynamic and their relationship. And how it works. Right. And she says, you know, he didn't put me on a pedestal like everyone else did. He knows how to take something he wants. He's a real man. You know, he's... She didn't want to be worshipped. And that's kind of, I think, we talked about this a little bit. She wants to be equals. She doesn't want to be the golden wife in the corner. And she doesn't want to be, you know, dismissed or anything like that. She wants to be equal partners. She's a strong woman. She wants to be equal partners in this plotting they're doing and everything. And they compliment each other. You know what I mean? I do want to point out also in this scene, like when he first confesses that that he loved her, the um, the former driver bodyguard guy, Steve, um, yeah, Robin Wright 
looks she sells this so well it's it's such a perplexing like like you like the same thing with the homeless guy We're like what is she thinking what is going through her mind to me i thought it looked like at first she was like a little uncomfortable but then like within like it it just smoothly like within one second transition to this kind of like empowered look like like i got this guy in my pocket like let me totally and mess she, with him and, and she composes uh, herself so quickly because he's dying right and then she sticks her hand down his pants, which is incredibly an awkward. Like it was just a very uncomfortable scene. I know. I think. God, she's like I don't know, but again, another another act where like she's like, "Is this what you want?" Power move. Oh you my know? god. She, yeah. yeah, she's she's a cold person, man. And she, I, she like, I feel like she broke him right there. You know. And Why now, did he stop her? Why didn't he just go with it? It's what he wanted, right? I don't, I, but I think he knew her, like, after she said that stuff about why she was in love with Frank, what he wanted to hear, obviously, was like, I always loved you, too. Right. And so, you know, not, you know, I was never interested in the kind of happiness that people like you could provide. I wanted a right. life with somebody who wanted, had a thirst for power and was, right. you know, oh, confident and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Right. And so and I thought. was not going to make up for that rejection. Exactly. And I think he, she was basically saying, like, it, is it, you know you you just think of me as a figure on a pedestal, a woman to be used. You know, is this like basically saying like, is this all you you think I'm good for? Kind of thing. Whereas, yeah, not like intellectual saw her as something equal. Else. Exactly, mm-hmm. and I think that just kind of redefines that. And I think it does. I think like I think it cements what we kind of had talked about within their relationship. Right, and now I feel like I know Claire a whole lot more, but I'm still like mesmerized by her choices and who she is and why the way she is. Because I mean, we know there's, you know, there's got to be a whole mess of other stories um, that uh, explain kind of how she became the way she is. But at least for now, that came at a great time because she was one character that we were really interested in but haven't gotten enough, uh, ha- haven't gotten enough information uh, about her. And now we got a whole bunch of it and it's incredible. And as far as acting goes, let's be, I mean, obviously Kevin Spacey in the show so far has been incredible, but I think like Robin Wright, I feel like it's been like a tour de force of just, oh yeah, like conveying, like we said, so much with her expressions and like just the way she's been able to deliver the lines and stuff and she's been incredible. Mm Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I just I want to great. acknowledge her. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that's that whole storyline. And like, we, it's good that we get more background on their relationship. But now let's talk about more about kind of the defining storyline of this, which right, is the story A, a storyline. Yeah. Frank versus Spinella, and here's our big scene coming up. Um, they Frank and Doug start giving the anti-union protesters these from bricks. And when Spinella and his workers like come walking out of their building, they just get pelted with these foam bricks and stuff. So it's basically like now you have the union, and like all of a sudden we have an anti-union mob that's pissed about how long like all the kids not being in school anymore. And like once again, you kind of see this marketing of organized resistance, you know, between disorganized labor and the foam bricks and everything like that. It's it's very right. Tea Party, you know, just like thinking it of is. branding it. You know what I mean? Um, and so basically Spinell's like, fuck it. I'm going to, I'll, I'll de- debate Frank on this on CNN because CNN's offered them this opportunity to debate. And so, right. but Spinell is clearly nervous about it and wants to really prepare. Well, in the meantime, we jump to Claire putting makeup on Frank, his, his quote unquote war paint in yeah. like the, real, I like that yeah, one. back at home before he goes to CNN and he's ridiculously confident. Um, he talks about how he's going to basically steamroll Spinella, and and like, do you want to come and watch the? He tells her he wants her to come and watch the bloodbath, basically. Um, mm-hmm. And in the meantime, he also says he wants her to draft a water bill for Rousseau. This is about that, um, obviously, right. the military base that was closed, getting those jobs. Yep. Yeah. Um. And so. so, so... And he, okay. So what I want to talk about, she does end up going to watch him. Um, Bef- yeah, but before um, the this also piece of uh, editing was brilliant. The way they bounce between the TV and the live. 
I agree. But real quick before we get oh, to the TVs. Sorry. sorry. No, it, it's okay. Uh, I just I want to say. Jump ahead of you. Sorry. No, no, no. And that's, that's, well, it's an awesome scene. I want to get to that yeah. really quickly. I was just going to say. So in the meantime, we see this thing about the Rousseau um, water bill that he talks about. And she says that, um, well, I need something kind of from you. I need to get these water filters through Sweden, these customs through Catherine Durant, the Secretary of State. Can you help me out with that? And so we kind of see, once again, there, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours kind of. Right, and I think Frank even says, she's like, do, do we still have a hookup with Durant? And he's like, once you get someone in his secretary of state, you always do. Right, exactly. And so th- this is kind of illustrating how their relationship works and why they're a success is because they are like these partners in crime relationship. Um, but I, So I just want to point that out really quick. But yes, let's split. Yeah, no, I'm glad you did. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. I want to talk about this debate because I think it was awesome. The way it jumped between looking like it was like the televised and then obviously the live shots. Um, but so Spinella, I feel like kind of puts Frank on his heels immediately. And I like, do you, uh, do you think it was, I, I thought it was surprising to me that Frank was so arrogant, like going in, like that was not surprising that he was arrogant, but that he didn't seem prepared or he seemed to underestimate Spinella coming into it. You know what I mean? Right. It seemed out of character. What, yeah, what was your I take? think I, I think Spinella reacted. Um, so the scene where Frank is doing okay in the beginning, and then he says, "You know, I want you to apologize to my wife." And they put exactly. the camera on the on on um, Claire. Puts Claire on the spot, and yeah. she. I think he he underestimated um, Spinella's uh, response to that, and how he turned it in a brilliant way, and made Frank look like. A total idiot. I mean, oh my oh, god, yeah. he was spelling out the the oh. the vowels. So first, I Spinella apologizes. Oh, I know. No, first, so first, so Spinella apologizes to Claire, which I think is a big deal. Like, I don't know if I think Frank was expecting Spinella to be like, "No, I'm not going to apologize to her. It was not our fault. We didn't do it." You know. So I think that's right. where you're saying like the disconnect came, where he didn't expect Spinella to actually, right. not necessarily take. Credit for, he doesn't like, take ownership of it though. He just says, "I'm sorry you had to go through that." He doesn't you know? accept the responsibility. It's like I know that's a traumatic experience, but let's be honest here, Frank. You're clearly using your wife as a prop, and that's almost more disgusting. That was huge. I was like, "Oh shit!" And he caught him right there. And so he, he does this, like you said, this ridiculous vowel game thing where he's floundering for the first you time. You oh, I. <laughs> it's like, oh my god, stop! Just stop it. I'll be honest, when I first saw him going into it, I was like, okay, this is going to be something awesomely clever that we don't see coming. Right, I thought so too. But no, for the first time, he's like taken aback and he is not able, like normally he's able to think on his, I guess maybe he normally trusts his ability to think on his toes so quickly, but this was like such a unexpected turn of events that he couldn't calibrate. Right. And <laughs> you see them driving home in the car. And he apologizes for calling her out. And she says, I don't care that you called me out. I just wish that you'd been a better debater. Hell <laughs> like, yeah. That was, I mean, that's their relationship in a nutshell, right? Absolutely. Like, you can and do then, what you need to do as long as, you know, you you do, you do get the job done. Yeah, I'm not going to get, like, I don't give a shit as long as you're, like, actually being successful. You can exploit me as much as you right. want if we're getting what we need. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but then you see that, like, his gaffe has become, like, this YouTube viral video and everything, and it's all over, and there's, like, these remixes, and he's getting auto-tuned yeah. and stuff like that. And wait, they, did you see that flash, Dennis Miller? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> what was, I didn't get that. Like, why was Dennis Miller, like, is it just because he has a show, or? I mean, I guess he's a political commentator, so you figure celebrity funny. cameos on the show. Yeah. I I feel like we've seen a couple celebrity cameos, wasn't it? Didn't we have, um... Uh, what's her name on CNN? Um, uh, yeah, the CNN you know, reporter. What? I, yeah, we have. I, I was going to say, um, but well, I was going to say George Stephanopoulos. But you were talking, talking about the CNN. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, like this episode, we had um, Candy uh, <gasps> from uh, CNN. Yeah, yeah. Who does the? She so she was the the debate moderator too. So that was that was. Yeah. It's cool that they're using real real people. I love and, that. I love that. That's really cool. Yeah, it is because cool. like you and I like geek out over those people. <laughs> So, I mean, and it just makes it, it, it grounds it that much more in reality to feel like, right? I mean, even though it is a different president and obviously it's different politicians and stuff like that, the news people are the same. And so it's like, it's still, it makes it feel like it's potentially, it could be your world kind of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So 
I would like to mention going. that I've transitioned to Bridge Burner Special Reserve Ale from Milwaukee. I think this is a suitable time for that because, like Frank, this was a Frank was probably <laughs> Frank Pardon was probably hit. Frank was probably yeah. I was saying Frank was probably hitting the bottle after this too because yeah. he's not used to falling over like this, you know. Totally. And so um, we see kind of Frank having actually a conversation with the Patty, president, the head of the DNC. Right? I was just, well, no, I was talking first time about the head of the DNC. Oh, um, right, he, does, he, right. does, he does have that combo with the president, too. We'll jump to that in a sec. But so he, he's having the combo with the head of the DNC. And this is the one where he basically plants the idea of Russo for governor, which he hadn't even right. done yet. And she right. says, oh, I thought we dismissed him. But Frank vouches for him. So we know Frank is serious about Russo, which I wasn't right. necessarily sure if he was playing Rousseau in some weird way, but no, he really does want Rousseau. He wants him in there because so, he can control him, right? Right. So, I mean, even if he is in his pocket, at least if, if for Rousseau's sake, he's actually going to be in a good position and not drugged out and right. drunk and, and everything. Um, but I also this scene, we see Meacham come back for a second. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, and, trying really hard. Too. And he, he approaches Frank and he says, I'm going to be discharged. Um, what can, can you vouch for me? And Frank refuses to help him. I mean, do you think that was cold-hearted of him, kind of? I thought it was a little cold-hearted. Yeah. I I mean, he could have put a good word in so the guy didn't get fired, but just got reprimanded and then got shuffled to, like, a, you know, a more, less less, uh, um, high-level, powerful position. He could have, you know, done paperwork or something. I don't know. But, you know, it wasn't his fault. Like it was Robin, or it was, it was Claire that you know. It, actually, I take that back. It is his fault. I mean, he left his post, but to not say that he didn't do a good job for the time that he was there, it was a little cold. Yeah. Well, and just also like clearly Frank was bullshitting, saying that he didn't have any influence. Because like when has Frank ever said he doesn't have influence over? Anything? Yeah, that was you know yeah, that was that was that was a lie. <laughs> and so like at this point, in I time, mean, he was a really good driver. He did a good job there. And so at this point in time, you know, Frank, it makes – like, maybe it makes sense because maybe he was worried about Claire, right? So we're thinking maybe mm-hmm. – okay, maybe he really is worried about the safety right. of himself and his wife. That, and so that true. is – I mean, so if you put yourself in that position, okay, maybe it makes sense. But we learn a little right. bit more later. Right. Uh, but we see a bunch – this is just a series of Frank interactions right here. Um. We see a scene in which Claire says to Frank, I love you, Francis. And he pulls a Han Solo and says, I know, instead of, I love you back, or right. I love you too, Ooh, you know? Me. And she says to him, we should say that more often to each other. And he's kind of weird about it. Yeah. And so, I mean, do you think she's more reflective about this after her conversations with Steve, kind of, and thinking about, like how quickly death can arrive on your doorstep kind of thing. Or maybe she's thinking about like wanting her relationship with Frank to be deeper than just a partnership and like wondering where that initial flame was. I I think uh, maybe it was just a reminder visiting the guy on his deathbed, maybe of why she's in this relationship. Cause they're both like, you know, they're, we've talked about this. They're partners with each other, man. They, they, they're working together to, you know, achieve their as much success as possible. So I think her saying that is just she was just recently reminded that she actually did love does love this guy. Exactly. It's not just a business partner. Uh-huh. I think so too and I think we do we see some complexities in their relationship as we have Absolutely, going forward yeah. but especially in this episode with that thing with Steve. Um so Frank gets a couple of interactions with Russo right here. Let's follow those down real quick. Um Frank and Russo Frank tells Russo that the governorship is a go. You are the candidate. We're going to run a campaign for you. We're going to start immediately, but you're going to have to go to AA. And Doug Stamper, my staffer, is going to be your sponsor, which Russo was kind of taken aback by, but we're learning a little bit of something darker, or we're learning a little bit more about Stamper, too. So we're getting right. kind of deeper on him, which I think is I think is interesting because I like his character, and it was kind of mysterious. You know, Doug's he, he cool. Kind of, yeah. Doug I, I, is, it, he was one that we liked and we wanted to know more about. Yeah, so I, I like that that's the direction we're going. Um, totally. Also, Claire has drafted the watershed bill for Russo. She tells him about all the jobs that it's going to create, so Russo's good on that front. And he's got all this stuff going for him now, so he calls Christina, and she doesn't pick up. And he leaves mm-hmm. her a message, and he says – he tells her about Alcoholics Anonymous, and he says, I love you and miss you. And so it's kind of – I mean, like – He's really going to give this a shot, and he still misses her, and he still loves her. And even though he's right. been with hookers, and like 
clearly not necessarily treated her very well. We know that he actually does care about her. Right, exactly. Yeah. I, I like I like their relationship. I mean it's 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 not perfect, obviously. But I, I am rooting for them in, in in a weird I guess not in a weird way, but I, I am rooting for them. I want them to I want him to come out as clean and, and a good guy because we know he's a good guy. Like no, just knowing he was a blue collar guy from the streets and he, he's just someone to root for. And she's just so nice and, and noble. It's kind of like the anti Frank and Claire. They're the relation. You know what I mean? It's right. Like, they have souls. <laughs> Russo is flawed. Unlike Frank, we haven't seen any flaws yet. Russo is flawed, but he's. Right. Um, he's got a pure heart, which Frank we kind of think has a dirty heart. And on the True. other side, you know, Christina may not be as cutthroat and as... I mean, she's a strong woman, too. Let's not dismiss that. She's a strong would, woman, too. She is. But would Claire put up... If, if Frank was doing what Rousseau did, which is like drugs and going back on his job's uh, promise that he ran on his... That was one of his campaign uh, uh, staples platforms... Um, Claire would have been out of there so quick, but Christina she would like, not put up with that shit. Through yeah. this. Exactly, and she's been trying to help him through this. Frank would not put up, or Claire would not put up with that shit. It would either be she would make Frank stop, right. or she would leave him. Or Absolutely. she'd be out of there, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so, it, weird kind of dichotomy there, and I think it's interesting to compare those two relationships as we go forward. Um, but, okay. So, back to the primary plot, and let's kind of I mean, I think that takes us to pretty much the end of the episode. Frank right. and the president, which is the scene that you kind of mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. The president wants the strike to end. and th- I mean, we're kind of starting to see more and more of the president here, which I think is interesting because Frank is gaining right. more power. So he's being asked to see the president more and more. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the president wants to get the bill. But Frank says no. He says straight up no to the president. Which I know. Sh- that was like I'm goosebumps thinking about that right now. That was crazy. I was like, it was ballsy as hell. No. It was ballsy. But then, he shocks him, and like the, he, once again, he takes a gamble that pays off. And like, right. I don't know how that keeps like, working for him. Right, it does. But I, I like that he has the aside to the camera, and he's like, sometimes you have to challenge. I I forget what his what his actual quote is, but sometimes you have to challenge him to get the respect. Uh, and get things done to get them to believe in you. You've got to believe in yourself beyond all doubt, pretty much. And right, so which we the know president. He does. The president's like impressed by it pretty much, or like, yeah. and says, "Okay, Shit, I believe I, in I, him." That I trust him. <laughs> yeah, he was convincing. Linda did not. I don't think. I think Linda was surprised no. that the president went on with it, but he Linda's did. More practical, but yeah, Linda is more practical. I would agree with that. But the president goes with it, and so, um, Frank, Frank and Doug are talking, and and Frank says. You know what? Maybe we can get some good karma. I'm gonna get. Let's get Meacham. Well, job. he's like, "Do you believe in karma?" And he's like, "No." <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. For Doug's like, but not at all. <laughs> let's try to get some good karma, though. Yeah, I like that. That was funny because they're. We don't know what they're doing though, right? Where they're just sitting, like looking at a scanner. Yeah, we they're don't know what they're doing up to this point, and so they're waiting for something. And so I think it's kind of funny because Frank does not strike me at all as a superstitious person. He's a person that covers all his bases and doesn't believe in anything happening by chance. Frank is a man of science, definitely, is what I believe. Absolutely. Um, but so they decide they're going to get Meacham his job back. And so he's, you know, Frank's saying it's an inexpensive investment, but once you, you know, but it's an inexpensive investment, but from that moment on forward, you know, you're just collecting favors from people and that's just another person in your pocket that you can control basically. Right. Which is, I mean, clearly that's all what Frank's all about is these do favors for people and expect something in return later on. Which, I mean, that seems like even what we know about politics. Um, Uh-oh. I lost audio. Oh, there you are. And we're back! So, let's see. Um, we see Frank moving forward with this plan. And plan. He gets Meacham his job back, calls the police commissioner. So we know he does have influence. Obviously, he did the whole time. And he decides, okay, I am going to exercise it and see what happens. So Frank, they finally... And what happens... He gets something through on the scanner. Um, so he, he, talks to, he talks to Zoe, and an eight-year-old DC boy has been killed in the gangland shootout. And so we're wondering, like, what the hell does this have to do with anything? And Zoe pretty much serves the line up to us. He should have been in school. Right. And so, I was like, oh, my God. They're exploiting this child's death. Oh, it's, they it's have, yeah, so exactly. low. They're oh gonna get God. the parent. They're gonna get. They get the parents on TV. Frank is there with the victim's parents. They're blaming Spinella. Like the the headline is like Spinella to blame. I mean, it's all exploitative. It's crazy. Yeah. And so he's with the victim's mom, and they basically implore Spinella to answer for this. And so 
we get the scene between a very well acted and kind of awesome scene between Frank and Spinall where they're facing off finally at Frank's offices in the Congress and like this big conference room, but it's just the two of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he is, but fr- fr- this is Frank on point. This is Frank doing uh, what he does. Oh my God, it was great. Oh, uh, he, Frank is like, it breaks him down. He says like, I, you know what, you are a piece of shit on my shoe. You're working for the union. <laughs> I made something of myself. I think the line I wrote down is, I can smell the cock on your breath. Oh my I mean, god, oh. it was, yeah, oh, crazy. And he, and so, but amazingly, Spinella keeps his cool. He's He keeps his cool through this. He starts, he's like, I'm not going to put up with this, I'm going to leave. That's when Frank Pinsman says, basically like, what if I told you that Stamper threw the brick? And that... <laughs> I know, my mind was, my mind was blown at this. I was like, what? What? Oh I my know. god, this is a huge... I know, what a fucking twist. And so, that's, that like throws him so off guard that Spinella punches him. Oh. And bam, now he now he has to cave because he's like punched Frank and he's now going to be definitely on the side of like violence and right. definitely going to make the movement look violent, so they have to cave. I have goosebumps so, right now thinking about that scene where he's like, what if what if uh, Doug threw the, the brick? Oh my gosh. That was and crazy. And so let's talk Brilliant. about a few... Let's talk about a few things that we, like, with this twist, what we... So, obviously, I mean, I believe that Stamper did throw the brick. Is that, I mean, I assume that he's telling well, the truth here. Is that well, what that, you think, That's too? the other thing. Like, I, when that when he first said that, I was like, did he? Is this, like, I, I don't know. But then I, I think at the end when he's talking with um, Claire, it does seem it, it, that that actually did happen. That was the truth. Doug threw the brick. Um, yeah, when they kind of had the they like smoking with the brick right in front of him, I think that I think you're right, and I think that I think he did throw the brick, but it has a couple of different implications here. First one I want to say is so Claire was in on it the whole time, right? Now, obviously, we know, and so she was never actually when he brought her to CNN and stuff, she was never actually scared. It wasn't that exploitative because it was a setup the whole time. She and like and that's why she was so aggressive in bringing Meacham in for coffee. Obviously, is because. They had to set up this whole plan and everything. Right. Also, it kind of just shows like what a bigger dick that makes Frank for not vouching for Meacham in the beginning when he was like, it was his whole plan in the first place to get Meacham kind of right. out of the way. Meacham's job is expendable to Frank. It was part of exactly. The, you know, it was part of his plan. Yep. It is. Frank doesn't really care if he makes it or not. Frank feels like he's he's a god and Meacham is just a peasant right. and like his fate doesn't really matter to me. But hell, maybe if I do something good for him, something good will come back to me. It's like. It's, it, you know, it's trivial to him. Right. Which is, like, it's this guy's career. Right. Right. I agree. It makes him look pretty shitty. And so we have this final scene where Claire and Frank are smoking at the window. I love those scenes with them. Oh, they're great. We've got a lot of them. That's kind of like their... It's their scheming, but also their kind of, like, wrap-up of what, they're, what, what they've accomplished... Oh. Did you ever watch? Did you watch the show Boston Legal with like William Shatner and James Spader? Ever? You know, I saw it a few times, but I didn't really watch it a lot. Do they do that in that show? At the end of every episode, they would like it was like the two of them would like be on the deck of the um, their you know lawyer's office, and they'd be like drinking whiskey and smoking cigars and like basically like um. having a philosophical conversation. It reminds me of like like kind of like the debrief of what happened and the debriefing exactly, exactly, yeah, yeah. And so we see the scene where it's like Claire says she's like we're gonna pay for Steve's funeral because Frank is. I, or Steve died, right? I, I mean, or he's about. Did he die? So he, yeah, he's about to die. He's dead. Died, whatever. But yeah, um, I love <laughs> that. Was a great. That was a great thing because a, a you would think it would be because you know he was such a noble guy that worked for them for so many years, a loyal employee. But really, it's you know to save face. You know, even exactly. though well, that's it. Just shows that's why they do anything. Is it's like right. they don't attach emotion to stuff. It's not about that for them. Right. It's about image. Um, Exactly. And um, then Zoe calls Frank, and he doesn't pick up, and so Claire asks, so are you going to be here tonight? And he says, yeah, I'm done with work for the day. And so that kind of tells you, so, I mean... That tells us why Zoe's, you know, in his pants, or he's in her pants. It's work to him. Zoe's just Which, a that makes sense. She's, and I think she I mean, feels the same And they're way. using each other. But... They're using each other. Yeah. And so, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of interest between the scene with Steve and the awesome acting by Robin Wright and that great scene. Like, the CNN scene was awesome in this episode. And mm-hmm, obviously, mm-hmm. like, the whole Frank and Spinella bat, like, right. face-to-face at the end that we've kind of been building to. 
Right. We have the culmination, the climax of uh, the the education bill. Which, to be honest, I'm happy. Like, we finally have, you know, the end of that. The education bill has kind of been dragged on. And, I mean, so I'm kind of glad we're finally not worried, like, debating that anymore, too. So it was time to move on. And I think we learned a lot of interesting stuff. I'd like to see more of Russo, and I think that we will in the next episode. Or, you know, as as his campaign gets rolling, I think we'll see more of him. Right. Um, Right, yeah. Do you, I mean... So what do you what do you think overall for this episode? I mean, this is a very Frank centric episode. It was. I loved this episode. Um, I I initially I wrote down a four out of five, but I might I might push it up a little bit higher uh, to a four point five. Um, I'll no, I'll stick with four because that twist at the ending was so awesome. It was great. Also, Frank centric um, uh, storylines work really well, and we had Zoe in the background for you know and. We all know that I'm not her biggest fan, her character's biggest fan. So it was kind of nice having um, Frank actually struggle and get through something. Um, but also that he's so brilliant that he had planned something, uh, had the foresight to see, to plan this whole thing out. Even though he slipped up in that interview, he still was so yeah. brilliant that he had planned uh, um, the outcome of this no matter what. Exactly. Uh, I agree with you, you and I think I'm going to... I'm going to give it a 4.5, I think. I mean, yeah. I I think that Zoe, you know, I don't have a, you know, I think she was used, she was used in the right way with this episode. And yes. I liked how they used her and I didn't mind her in this episode at all because I feel like it was more fitting. Sometimes I feel like when they use her, I don't necessarily have a problem with her, but I just feel like she's more, like we've said, representative of an idea mm-hmm. more than anything. Mm-hmm. And kind of like, it's like very pedantic in the episodes in like this, like where it's like, we're learning Preach. something about the future of media kind of thing. But I appreciated that this was just, like, more her as a character, which, like... Right. I, 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 we, it felt like it was more her and not necessarily representing something. Um, I didn't... You know, I was... Like I said, I wish we'd seen more of Rousseau, but I, I think the front... Like, I like that we saw this thing with Claire. I mean, you can't have that much with every character every episode. And I like right. the Frank angle of it and the, uh, you know, culmination of the Spinella thing. And, and we learned like so much about Claire. Claire. Claire and Frank too so mm-hmm. I think I'm going to give it a 4.5 I think that was a great episode and I think it was a yes. lot of fun I loved it oh it was so good so good <sighs> absolutely and so um, once again we, we apologize for the delay on this episode and we want to thank you guys for listening um, Chris where can people find more info about you this week uh, I'm on Twitter you can find me uh, on Twitter at, at Chris Husted. that's Chris with you can f- and you what can find you me on Twitter you can find me on Twitter <laughs> at t- TJMoss11. Thank you very much. Um, all right, everybody. Um, as always, you can please comment or quick whatever. Give us ratings on iTunes. <laughs> like us on Facebook. And send us emails at thishousecardspodcast at gmail.com. Have a great week, and we'll get that next episode up as soon as possible. Bye-bye. Later, everyone. I don't want to be your friend. I just want